We are in a series in the month of February called This Is Us. Um, we took it kind of from a TV show that's out there, I guess been out there for a year or so called This Is Us, and it's about families and relationships. I've never seen the show, so I don't know if it's a good representation or not. Maybe we shouldn't have. I don't know anything about the show. I know it's fairly popular, but uh, here, here's what I know. This is us. This is who we are. We are the family of God. We are the, the children of God. We are the creation of God. And you do know that I, I put a, a big distinction from between those. Every single individual ever born into existence, all those who died before they saw the light of day, before life was given into them, are the creation of God. But only those that have been redeemed by the grace and mercy of God are the children of God. Now, I will tell you that that includes a whole lot of folks today with all the laws that we passed in this nation over the last umpteen years. There are millions and millions of children that have been unborn. And I believe they are under the grace and mercy of an almighty God. But I want to tell you that everybody you know, just because they're born of God in the flesh, does not mean that they are a child of God in the Spirit. We are needy sinners in need of a grace and mercy that only God can provide. For those of us in the room that have been born again by the Spirit of God, we have this awesome relationship with the God of heaven. We have a relationship with the creator of the universe, of the one that, that spoke, and, and we can't even imagine or fathom the depth of what His speaking created. We don't even have the capability today in all of our technology to, to know the depths of what God did in a moment when He spoke. And yet, we have a relationship with that God because He called us to Himself and we responded. And He birthed in us a spirit. He placed in us the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. And He communicates and talks with us. And He walks with us and He and He. And he conforms us into the image of Christ as we walk through life. And that's really what we talked a lot about last week. But I want to tell you that not only did He create in us a relationship with Himself, He made us to have relationship with one another. He made us to be together. We are better together than we are alone. I can say that with complete and utter confidence because the Scripture tells me that that was God's view of man. From the very beginning of Scripture, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 2, chapter number 1 is a kind of an oversight of, of the, uh, the, the book of Genesis, of the creation account, and chapter 2 begins kind of a detailed account. And in chapter 2, of Genesis in verse number one it says so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed and then in verse 
Number four, it says, These are the records of the heaven and the earth concerning their creation at the time that God made the earth and the heavens. You come down to verse number eight, and the Bible says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he placed the man he had, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of, good, of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out from the Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. And it tells the river's names. It tells about the gold and all that was replaced there and all the different things that were, were there that God created. And in verse 15 it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day that you eat of it, you will certainly die. Remember what we sang earlier. You've got to follow His directions if you want His heart in your life. Adam being fully man, and just so you understand had it been you and not adam you would have done the same thing maybe quicker i don't know i i think i might have who knows but here's what i know adam didn't follow god's direction but notice the statement that god made after he gave this command to adam verse number 18 then the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone. Unless you suddenly think that that's only about a man and a woman, after that he creates the animals and the birds and he calls the creatures of the, the world to be brought into to, uh, existence and he gives them to the, to the man to, to give names to and to, to, to be able to, to do. And then he says, but there was no compliment and so he created a woman. But what he, what he said was, it's not good for man to be alone. He knew that we don't do well on our own. And so he created an environment around us that we could have fellowship, relationship. Now listen, I, I'm not, I don't believe animals have spirits. I know I, I probably always get in tough trouble when I talk about this. I don't believe that animals are eternal. I don't believe your cat or your dog are going to go to heaven or hell. They're just going to die. There will be animals in heaven. I don't think they're going to be yours. Fluffy ain't making it. Okay? Now, you know, I, I just don't think it matters. But what I do know is that God made these animals for all kinds of reasons, but one of them was for fellowship with us. I don't know, look, I, I, I love the sign on the, the veterinarian down the road. Dogs have owners, cats have staff. I'm staff. I got two cats. Got one outside, one inside. They don't like each other much, but they both love me because I feed them. Those cats are a part of my world. I give them a hard time and I make fun of them all the time, but I, I love those cats. I've had dogs. I've had to put dogs down. Got sick, got hurt, whatever. I'm going to tell you, I, I got a sympathy card from a veterinarian once because I cried so hard we had to put a dog down. I thought, that's ridiculous getting a sympathy card from a vet. Yeah. yeah, but you know, but listen, what I'm telling you is, is that 
we make emotional connections to these animals. Then God said, but there's nothing really there for to be a compliment. So he made a woman. He made another person. And I, I do believe that the greatest connection we'll ever make on this earth is when we met, meet, and we, we, we connect intimately and with, with an, a, another person, a, a woman or a man, depending on what your gender is. I, I do believe we, God is gender specific. He made us one way and one way only. If you were born physically as a man, you're a man. If you're born physically as a woman, you're a woman. That's the way God made us. And he intended those two genders to make an intimate relationship that would be connected in a way that no other relationship would. But he also gave us one another. When he talks about the church in the New Testament, Paul talks about the church. When Jesus talked about the church, a couple of things that, that were comparative relationships. When he, when he tried to give us something to compare the body of Christ with, what did he call it? He called it a body. I kind of like this body. It's a little fat. It's a little fluffy. I keep it well stocked. I, I do what it likes. When I want to lay down and take a nap, I lay down and take a nap. When I want to eat, I eat. When I, you know, when I get hot, I turn the air down a little bit so it cools off. When I get cold, I turn the heat. Why? Because I like this body. I do what I can for it. He calls us a building. He calls us foundation, walls, roof. What does a building do? What's the purpose of a building? It's to house people. To house people. Folks, he calls us the bride of Christ. What is that? Again, it's that intimate connection, relationship. We are meant for fellowship. Now, I've got to tell you, some of y'all are introverts. And for introverts, it's hard. Relationships are not easy. It's hard to get out of that bubble. But you still crave it. I promise you, everyone in this room craves relationship with somebody. It may not be a large number. Some of you are extra, extroverts. You've got like, you know, like 783 people that you're Facebook friends with, you know? Like, you don't know any of them, but you're friends with them. You know, some of y'all have all this stuff. But we, what we crave is relationship, connection, connectivity together. And that matters. It matters to God. And I think it's important that one of the, you know, first things that God tells us about humanity in, in the very first book that he, he listed for us in the book of Genesis is that it's not good for us to be alone. Solomon was, is called by Scripture, the wisest man that ever lived. Now, I, I, I tell you, I struggle with that. Because if you know anything about Solomon, he had a bunch of wives and a bunch of girlfriends or political girlfriends or whatever you want. Either way you go about it, he had more than one. So I'm not so sure how he was the wisest man in the world. But God called him the wisest man in the world. And here's what the wisest man in the world said about us as individuals in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. 
but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. A connection of three people, that's hard to break that kind of bond when you've got those kind of relationships. So I want to look for just a few minutes this morning. This is going to be a rather short message because it's concise. But, but I, want to, I want you to, to just listen for a few minutes about why it matters to you and I. How this impacts us together as we, we look at this idea of relationships. Verse number 9 of Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two are better one because they have a good reward for their efforts. I think the first thing we can look at is that there's, there's a mutual effort here when there's two people together there's a mutual effort and and they can they can accomplish more together listen to me you and i can do more together than we can separate you and i can accomplish more as the body of christ together than we can alone when jesus sent out the disciples how did he send them out two by two well wouldn't it make more sense to send one by one you just send more out that way no why because we need each other. We need the support. We do a better job when we work together than when we work alone. It's important for us to, to be connected to someone in an effort that we're working at. Listen, let, let me tell you something. You can't work together in an effort if you're not together in the effort. You can put, you, you ever, again, I've, I've never farmed in the sense of, working a farm with cows or, or, or a team of oxen or mules or whatever. But my grandfather did and my father did, and they talked a lot about it when I was coming up. And, and here's what they tell me. If you get two of them together and they can't work together, one pulling against the other, you might as well bust that team up because that'll never, ever accomplish the job. They will fight against each other and pull against each other and argue with each other and, and, and butt heads and stop and start and nothing will get accomplished that you need done. You've got to get, even if one is weaker than the other, you've got to get two together that are going in the same direction. I'm going to tell you in the church, it's the same way. I mean, you, you want to see something not get done in the church? Put two people together that can't, can't see eye to eye on the purpose. You, you, will, you will destroy a church by trying to put people together to do something that won't work together. You'll destroy what's going on because one is stubborn or, or bowed up, the other one doesn't. But that's human nature, isn't it? But what if they're wrong? Well, what if they're wrong? You know, the, only, you know the way that works? You know the only way it works in a church for, for, for the work to get done together is for those two not to focus on each other or not to focus on themselves. When we have the mind of Christ, when we think the way Christ thought, when we do the way Christ did, Philippians tells us to let us to have, we're to have the mind of Christ. We're to be thinking the way he thought. How did he think? Well, he thought that being God wasn't something to just have for his own glory. 
I can't understand that. Jesus, Jesus thought that being God wasn't just about him. It was about us. And at the time, we were all lost. We weren't cleaned up and pretty in his sight. We were, as, as Scripture says, we were enemies of God. And yet he thought it was more important that he subject himself to death on a cross for us than for him to be God, to be, to be God alone. He did this because he wanted us. I, I can't understand that, but I know that that's what the scriptures say. It, it's much easier to accomplish a goal when we work together. Paul, in Philippians 4, uh, verse number 10 said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. The church at Philippi was a church that had, had done some, some things for Paul early in his ministry, and then there was a period of time that they didn't. Um, they had lost contact with Paul. And you, you get the impression from the Scriptures that it wasn't an intentional snub of Paul. It was either they didn't have the resources to do it or they didn't have the way to, to contact him. They didn't have email and they weren't able to connect on Facebook. And they weren't, you know, it was, Paul was a long ways away and so it was hard to be connected. But it, he said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you once again renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. Verse 15, he says, And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you worked with me and for me, and God got the honor and the glory for it. God got the blessing for it. We were able to do so much more. You couldn't come and be where I am and do what I'm doing, but you met my need, and therefore, to your account, it was placed as a blessing, as an honor. God said, Paul said that God would... Paul even implies in this scripture that God will bless these Philippian believers in their needs according to his power because of what they have done for the Apostle Paul. It's a mutual effort, it's a mutual working together to accomplish more than what either one of them could do on their own. Verse number 10 said not only was there a mutual effort that, that they could accomplish more together, but there was a mutual support. Listen, we're, we're supposed to carry one another's burdens. You know what verse 10 says? If either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Listen, when you're doing life, there's going to be times you're going to fall. There's going to be times that you're going, to, you're going to trip. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're not able to do. 
some of our older folks in the room are starting to really understand those seasons of life. I can't do what I used to could do. And, and unfortunately, what happens is they begin to think less of their ability or less of their value. You find someone that, that uh, becomes, um, um, because of, for whatever reason, becomes less capable to, to be able to do life, maybe an accident or maybe an illness, and, and they feel less valuable to the society around them or to the church society around them. Um, we, you know, we, we, we get sick, we get old, we get worn out, we get broken down, and we, we think, you know, we're the only one that's here that's doing this, and, and, and I'm not as valuable as I used to be, and, and where burdens become heavier. We begin to, to wonder how we're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Paul, talking to the church at Colossae, said in chapter 4, verse 11, these alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have comforted me. Has it ever been a comfort for you to have somebody in the body just come along beside you, put their arm around you, and say, hey, I got this for you. Don't worry about it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Uh, I, I, I know in our church, there have been many times where we're not just, you know, Hey, I'm praying for you, but I've known people in this room to give up their free time to go drive somebody somewhere where they need to be because they couldn't drive on their own. I've known people in this room to give up their finances to help meet a need that somebody else had because that person couldn't meet the need on their own. And not every time was that necessarily um, a need that was beyond their control. You know, sometimes people just make messes. And they, they do stupid things and they get in situations where they can't do. And yet somebody will step up and do for them. And it lifts that burden. And I, my hope is that, that as we grow and move and, and circumstances change, that we'll see that and we'll begin to do the same thing for other people. Listen, if somebody's financially blessed you when you were down, you ought to be looking for an opportunity somewhere in the future to bless somebody else. When you've got a little. When, when, when you've got, when somebody's blessed you with their time, you ought to find a way to bless somebody else with your time. When somebody's taking you somewhere when you didn't have a way to get there, you ought to see what you can do to bless somebody and get them somewhere when they need to get there. And you say, well, well they don't really deserve it. Well, you may not have either. Listen, we're, we're meant to. To work together, there's a, a mutual support of one another. And here's the thing is, I want you to know it's not just in the physical realm. In fact, I think it's greater in the spiritual realm. Listen to what James says. You know this verse, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Now, how many of you are willing to pray for somebody? Right, most, most of the hands went up. How many of y'all willing to confess your sins to somebody? A few, few hands went up. Some of y'all put them up just because you know you had you're in the room and I said it. <laughs> but here's what I know. There ain't a whole lot of that goes on. There ain't a whole lot of relationships where you go to somebody that you're close enough to and you say, man, I am. I just want to tell you I'm struggling today. That, that neighbor down the road that I want to throw a line on. Scott's got a neighbor. 
we've been praying for. Praise teams have been praying for. Scott's got a neighbor that just a, he's an old redneck, hillbilly, mean-spirited guy. Runs his music at like 900 decibels just to be aggravating. And then goes by and agitates. You know, leave a set of earplugs on the gate. Here, I hope this helps. You know, he's an aggravating kind of guy, you know. So we've been praying for Scott not to kill him because we like Scott. <laughs> but let me, let me tell you what, we, we joke about that, but it really gets next to him sometimes. And I know I can say this because he and I have talked enough. I know I can talk about him. But it gets next to him sometimes, and it can mess with his spiritual walk. But he's got four or five people that are every week praying for him that God... And listen, God's begun to do some things. God's begun to shut the old boy down some. Make, just give some brief respites. But listen, I believe God's working. And I believe God's working in the group that's been praying for him because they've been praying for him. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. Listen, sometimes we need to just come to one another and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I don't like this person. I'm struggling with this sin. My mind, I can't keep it focused on what it ought to be focused on. It's thinking about things it ought not to be thinking about. And I need somebody in my life to where I can just say that to. In fact, I will tell you, you need more than one somebody. You need several somebodies in your life. Listen, I, I, I think... Married couples, I think that your greatest confidant ought to be your spouse. I think it's, that it, ought, it just ought to work that way. But I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest and transparent. Ain't everything you need to talk to your spouse about. Some things you need to talk to somebody of your own gender about. There, it, guys, you need to have a, a good enough friend that you can go to and say, she ain't going to understand this, so I need to talk to you. Ladies, you need to have a good enough friend that, that you can say, He's never going to understand this. Can I talk to you? Because I promise you, ladies, he's never going to understand anything you tell him. But it doesn't really matter. He'll act like he does. I'm just telling you, you need to have more than one. You need to have some people that you can open up to. And I, I'm, listen, I'm not chastising or ch I'm challenging you. Because I know in this room, I know some of you well enough to know, that is hard. That is hard. First off, you don't want anybody to know your weaknesses. I, guess what? Wait a minute. Let me, let me read that again. What, what did the scripture say? Confess your sins to one another. That was a direct command. That wasn't a suggestion. He didn't say, Sam, if you feel like it today, now you, you go ahead and tell somebody about it. He said, Sam, wherever you got issues, you need to find somebody. You need to talk to somebody. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? Not... Not so that somebody's got something on you, so you can, you can get it up and out. First off, the, the scripture we've talked about so many times, what you uncover, God will cover. What you cover, God's going to uncover. He's going to find a way to work that out of you, and that usually is not a good thing. That usually doesn't work well. So God, listen, God wants you to be able to get that burden off of you. God, God wants that to be released from outside of you. It's so good sometimes just to be able to say out loud, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this. But to have somebody standing next to you saying, you're not on your own. You've got somebody here with you. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. 
What a great promise. He said if you'll do that, there'll be healing. There'll be healing. It's important that we know that God put us together to lift each other's burdens. Not only is there a mutual effort, mutual support, but Scripture tells us in verse number 11, He says, Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone keep warm? Mutual encouragement. All the guys said, yeah, mutual encouragement. All right, come here, baby. I'm cold. That's not what this is talking about. That's not what, not a bad application, but it's not what this is talking about. It's talking about keeping each other balanced and encouraged. Listen, how can you by yourself keep your body temperature regulated? You can't. If it's cold outside and you're outside by yourself, your body temperature is going to lower. Hypothermia is what they call it. And if if the temperature's low enough, it can kill you quickly. Silently, you'll just freeze to death. And there are tons of believers sitting in churches all up and down this road today that are spiritually freezing to death. They're so separate unto themselves, nobody's coming alongside of them and warming them up and encouraging them to be what God intended them to be. They're not keeping themselves balanced. Some of you in the room struggle with self-worth. Some of you don't have much of a value of yourself. You don't think of yourself the way God thinks of you. You think less than you should. And you need somebody to come alongside of you and, and remind you what the Scriptures say about who you are and about what value you have and what, what you can accomplish. And they need to come along beside you and, and balance out that natural tendency within you to, to think less than you are. Some of you in this room think a little too much of yourself. Think you got it kind of covered. I can handle this. I, hey, I got it. Some of you need to have somebody come along and say, you ain't all that. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's, you, you, got some, you got some stuff that you don't see. And you need some help. You need some, why? Because when you begin to think too highly of yourself, it can become a problem. You begin to think that you don't need God nearly as much as you do. Colossians chapter 3 says this, Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. Let your conversation about Scripture and about the things of God, let this dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another. This is not written to the preachers. This is written to the church. Do you realize you're supposed to be teaching each other? Teaching, what? That's instructing, giving encouragement. That's positive information, positive words to one another. And admonishing, that's the other side of it. That's, hey, who do you think you are? (laughs) You know, hey, you need to think about this. Do you see this in your own life? 
I love you too much to let you continue to go this way. You should be richly, the, the message about the Messiah should be richly dwelling among you, teaching and admonishing other, each other in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. You ought to be glad about it. Jesus didn't just say you ought to do it. You ought to be happy about doing it. You ought to enjoy it. You ought to be happy when somebody's doing it to you. Listen, one of the hardest things you will ever do in your Christian walk is allow somebody close enough to you to point out the stuff that you're not doing right. That's the hardest thing you'll ever do. One of the most gratifying things you'll ever do in your life as a Christian is allowing somebody close enough to you that can speak into your life something you're not doing right so that you can change that through the grace and the power of God and the help of others so that you can be more for the kingdom of God than you are on your own. You and I need somebody around us to keep us balanced, have mutual encouragement, mutual effort. We can accomplish more together. Mutual support. Carry one another's burdens. Support one another. Lift one another. Instruct one another. Mutual encouragement. Keep, keep us balanced out so we don't get too far one way or the other. We're supposed to shout to the north and the south and sing to the east and west. But we're not supposed to be bouncing all over the place. There's some Scripture says, let your moderation be known. And all there ought to be a levelness about who we are because of who we are in Christ lastly verse number 12 of that passage says if someone overpowers one person two can resist a cord of three strands is not easily broken there's mutual strength together we're stronger and we can defend one another let me tell you there's nothing greater than having somebody that you're close enough with that you're in a relationship with enough that will defend you and your honor and stand beside you and defend you even when you're indefensible. Having someone to stand with you. I, I will tell you, ladies, if you're, you're married in the room, there is nothing you can do greater for your mate and be their defender. You want to you see your, your, your guy just throw his chest out and, and stand taller and, and be more of whatever it is he thinks he is? You, you stand up for him. You defend him. You, you stand for him when somebody else comes. Hey, when, when some other lady says a little something snide about him because he does something wrong or, or stupid, and, and listen, I know that goes on. You, you do know that that we're not stupid. We all, we all know that other people talk about our spouses. And every now and then, if they think they can, they'll say it to you. Let me tell you, let, let your spouse hear you slam a door shut. Let a spouse hear you stand and say, that's my husband or wife. You're not talking that way about them. You can pack your bags and move on out the door. Let me tell you what. Nothing 
Nothing will do for you what that, 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 what that does to you when that person you're closest to defends you. Let a friend stand beside you when others are against you. I, I, I've experienced some of this. I've had preacher friends of mine who's experienced it a lot. I've had some preacher friends of mine who have, who have taken a lot of abuse from other preachers and other people. And, and there's been times when I've had to sit down with some folks and say, you know, you probably weren't as right as you should have been in this, but I know you. And, and I, I can tell you right now, I won't, listen to me, I won't let anybody talk about you to me. I might grab them and say, let's go talk to this person if there's something I need to talk about. But nobody's going to run you down to me. You're mine. You're my family. You're my church. Now, I might run you down every now and then, but ain't nobody else going to do it. Y'all just have to forgive that. That's a fault of mine. It's a fault of yours, too, so don't act like it. Y'all run me down sometimes, too. We, we, hey, we shouldn't ought to do it to one another, but we sure, certainly shouldn't let somebody from the outside do it. We ought to stand with one another. Galatians 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing... Wait a minute, that person's wrong. They're just wrong. They got caught wrong you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so you won't also be tempted carry one another's burdens in this way you'll fulfill the law of christ they were wrong yeah they were wrong restore them get them back where they should be be careful how you do it. Don't get too cocky. But when you do that, you're walking out the law of Christ to love one another. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit. With every prayer request, every prayer and request, stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pastor Mark talked earlier about us praying as a church for you. And I, and I, I confess, I don't pray as much as I should. Not as much as I'd even like. But I doubt you do either. I'm going to tell you, God, God is intended for us to be together and to lift one another up and to be a support and a strength. God made us to be better together than we are alone. That's why we started a men's ministry. Because, guys, we need this. Next meeting is March 14th. Come prepared with some ideas, some thoughts. We're going we're gonna to meet here. We're going to eat. We're going to fellowship. 
Come prepared to, to talk about some things we can be doing in the community as, to, as a group together. Come prepared. Put it on your calendar. You've got a month. March 14th, you've got a month to mark it on your calendar. Men, show up. You don't have to be a member of the church. Guys, show up. Come. Be a part of it. Called the Foundry. That's a great next step. Great next step. Put that down on your. We'll pray for you. That's good. Why? Because we're better together. Ladies, y'all meet regularly, two or three times a month, doing different things. Why? Because you're better together than you are by yourself. We need to be connected. And not just on a Sunday morning when we walk in and say, man, it's great to see you, I love you, and then don't think about each other or mention each other or pray for each other until next Sunday when you walk in and you go, oh, it's great to see you again. We need to be connected because God made us for relationships.